Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today we have a fabulous guest for you, Vanessa Alfaro. And she is an entrepreneur, founder of five seven-figure companies in three countries, a real estate investor, and a multifamily syndicator who was recently profiled in the real estate book, 10 Paths as one of the 10 most successful real estate investor stories in 2022. She's also the founder of Venus Capital Partners, a woman and minority-owned real estate investment firm. Vanessa, it's a pleasure to have you here. Welcome to the show. And how are you doing today? Hi, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited about today. Yeah. So, Vanessa, can you give us a little bit more of a background on who you are and how you got started with real estate? Sure. So I'm originally from Venezuela. That's where I had my first company. I had my first company when I was 22. So so that was a a while ago. But I moved to the U.S. 12 years ago. I already live in three or four countries before I moved here. But I married my husband 12 years ago. And we started a production company that he runs. Right now, it's a production company focusing car. We have fun with that for about five years, but then I just didn't want to do that anymore. I've been always into marketing and other other things, and I was looking to ways to increase our wealth without having to like actually be enslaved for our own companies because I have been entrepreneur for many years, but... <laughs> I got myself a job, like more than a nine to five job. I already built three companies and I was looking to do something that I can literally, we can work in our wealth, okay, without being a slave. And I found that real estate was the one uh, the thing that I, I wanted to do. And I was actually something that resonated with our goals long-term. So um, a few years ago, I decided that uh, my husband was going to lead his this company, and then I moved to real estate. So that's how it started. <laughs> I think something that you mentioned was really important there was that you started this entrepreneurship journey. And as you're working in the business, you realize that you're putting a lot of time and hours into your business. When people hear entrepreneurship, they think of this lavish lifestyle. They think, you know, you have so much time on your hands, but it didn't sound like that was the case because you were working day in and day out in the business. I know. Yes, it is like, uh, as I said before, since I was 22. And at that time, my daughter was two years old. So I remember myself working at New Year's Eve and working on on, um, Christmas Day with my daughter in my lab because like we were building this company and I had to work more than eight hours a day, 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day. For three years, it was like that. And then it went for five years and seven years. So the good thing about that is that we were able also to take vacations when I wanted because I mean, at one point, if the business was, it didn't require me to be there at that point, we would travel and don't tell this to anybody, but I would take my kid out of school for that (laughs) week. (laughs) And it was no vacation week. (laughs) So that's the good and the bad. But but yes, I just, I I did it three times with three different companies in three countries and I just didn't want to do it again. So I was looking for something that I will still have to put time and effort in my business, but also it will want to grow 
our passive income. Okay. And that's what I found real estate and multifamily specifically. We also wanted to be in the passive side of investment because at the end, I feel that that's what everybody wants to be. Okay. I want to be passive <laughs> too in a few years. Okay. But I just can't retire. Okay. I have this entrepreneurial sickness that we have, that we always have to do something. Okay. So, um, I decided to build this business, but also I think that in the long, in the long run and the long term, we just want to be passive and just create all, you know, all this real estate empire to create passive income for us. So. So when you first started getting into real estate, it sounded like you started off as passive investors first before deciding to move into the active side, or did you start off as active investors? I started 100% active. Okay. I was not in real estate before. Okay. So I was, I built three companies, but the first were actually four companies. The first three were focused on marketing. Then my husband was focusing production and publishing. So it was a completely different business. So I spent about a year educating myself in the business, learning the different sides of, of what we have to do, learning of underwriting. I mean, uh, I wanted to understand all aspects of the business fair. I found a mentor, a great mentor that it was really helpful. I hired a coach for a year for that year where I was learning. And then when I started buying properties, my first one was 104 units. And I found two very experienced partners because I didn't want to do it by myself. And of course, I didn't want to put our investors at risk because having your first company, I mean, there is as much as you know, okay, about something and you can study and you can learn everything, but experience is a different thing, right? So I partnered with people that had more than 20 years of experience in this field. So I just was not willing to make any mistakes, if I said. You built up three successful businesses before getting into real estate. So you have a lot of experience for businesses, <laughs> for businesses before getting into real estate. What are the essential foundations from the entrepreneurship side that you were able to bring in that was vital to being successful within real estate? Oh my God. I think that desire and mindset, because as an entrepreneur, you don't have a boss to fire you, but you don't have a boss to tell you how great you're doing and to, you know, keep you motivated. And entrepreneurship is, um, and, and there is something that is actually called entrepreneurial um, depression that is real. Okay. Because at one point, you, if something goes wrong, it's yourself that have to bring you back. Okay. To the field. So I think that's one of the most important, but. After that, okay, is everything else. Educating yourself, getting the best people to work with you, of course, because there is as much as you know, okay? So you have to have a great team with you, okay? Great partners. My first three companies, okay, I did it by myself. I didn't have any partners, okay? And then my fourth company was, partner was my husband, okay? And in this company, in, in Venus Capital, I have an amazing partner, someone that I know for, we has been working for more than two years together in different deals, okay? And I didn't want to go, you know, when you go in a partnership, it's like a marriage. <laughs> so I didn't want to uh, choose a partner lightly, okay? So in Venus Capital, Cindy and I are together. We have been working, as I said, for more than three years okay, in other deals. And I found that she was 
actually everything that I was lacking, okay, or or I mean, how can I say this? She had all the superpowers, okay, that I didn't have <laughs> or I don't have. So it was great. And, and we went together with Venus Capital. What was the biggest challenge for you when you got into real estate to getting into that first deal, which I think you said was 104 units? Oh, wow. The biggest challenge was, well, as you know, I have five kids. Okay. And for those five, four of them are older than nine years old. So when I decided to go in real estate for some miracle, I got pregnant with my three, <laughs> with my third kid. Uh, so I was like talking to brokers. I was breastfeeding. I was, you know, just uh, with this little baby. Super mom. <laughs> I was with my coach. And then my husband said to me, I don't know if you can do this real estate business. Okay. Because I mean, we're just going to have this baby. My mom looked at him and says, you don't know my daughter. You're going to see her in a week with that baby breastfeeding in front of that computer. And she took <laughs> pictures of me <laughs> But doing that, by the way. But uh, yeah, I was talking to brokers. But my, my biggest challenge was actually the fear of talking to people because I was in the back end of my, the company that I, I created with my husband. And he was the one talking to everybody. And for me, I moved to the U.S. for 12 years, but speaking English is not, uh, you know, I still, I have this big accent. Okay, So for me, that was the biggest fear, just talking to people and see if people was going to take me seriously when I was talking to them and breaking that fear, I think it was the biggest issue that I had. It's so interesting. I mean, being a mom is already a full-time job in itself and having the young ones building up another business at the same time, breastfeeding <laughs> while on the phone calls and working on your computers and stuff like that. I, I, I resonate. I hear all of this, you know, and so I'm like, I so impressed and I so admiring you about all of that. Thank you. I can talk about that forever <laughs> because even when you are in COVID, during COVID, you realize that you have to go all these in Zooms and everybody moved from their office to go to Zooms. And you will see like with my husband in a Zoom call and then my kids will jump in a phone call with him and everybody in the Zoom will be, oh, they're so cute. And they're so great that you're taking care of your kids. But if a woman does do that and you're in a Zoom call and then your kids start jumping in the Zoom call, it's like, Oh wow, well, these women has not the things, you know, organized. She's not as professional I, or not as professional. So for the husband is cute, for the women is like he, she doesn't have her things together. So I have to be careful. That's why I think that for women it's harder to be in business because mm -hmm. it's a lot of judgment and ju in the whole, okay industry in general, but that's another podcast. <laughs> so what was your biggest driver? Because a lot of times, especially as women, you can definitely, especially having a new baby, a new young one in your life and trying to manage and figure out all this schedule and your body's still recovering from everything like that. What was driving you to be on those calls, work those hours and try to build up this business? What, what was driving you behind all of that? Interesting question. I think that's where I am. I just can. I admire I can tell you that I admire a lot <laughs> homestay moms because I just can't do it. I, I just have to, I have to do something different. And I love my kids. I have five of them. 
Okay. I love them, but for me, it's a balance. Okay. I tell my kids I work because I love it. I love to help people. I love to talk to investors. I love when I talk to an investor and they say, wow, I didn't know about that. I didn't know that I can have all these tax savings. I'm not a financial advisor or I have to do the, the whole disclosure, right? But I love when people say, wow, I didn't know that. So I love to grow. I love my career. Okay. And I love my family. It's not one thing or the other. Okay. It's an integral part of what Vanessa is. So I don't think that I can pick and choose on that issues. Who I am. And then during COVID, I had my twins. And I was still, that was a big surprise. I was pregnant again with my twins. <laughs> uh, and I broke my leg, by the way, when I was pregnant. So I was in bed. And that helps me to actually work more because I, there was nothing that I could do just being in bed <laughs> with this broken leg and building these two babies. So I was talking to a lot of people. I was running the business from, from bed. So it's just who I am. And I want to show my kids that I don't work because I have to work or because I have to pay for their college, which I do have to do. I have to do that as well. <laughs> but I do it because it makes me happy the same way it makes me happy to spend time with them. And I don't think I will retire anytime soon. Okay. Or ever. Okay. I just, I want to work a few hours a day. Okay. But I will still be doing something. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us, because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level, and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. You talked about when you were getting started, the fear of talking to people, especially getting started in this business. I totally get that because especially in the beginning, it's like, well, are they going to take me seriously? How do I come across without like the experience and the background? How do I show that I'm respectable and a serious person that they should you know, be taking seriously? How right. did you get over all of that fear? And what were some of the things that you had to do in order to help you overcome that? Yeah, and I was also praying that the baby would not be start crying at that time. I know you're trying to time it because I I, I was also pregnant with my my youngest daughter during COVID too, and so you're trying to time things like when they're napping and um, yes. so yes. <laughs> yes, I remember in one phone call I told my husband this is a very important phone call, so you're taking care of the baby, and he couldn't, and he had to interrupt the phone call and say, "I'm sorry, I can't. I I don't know what's happening with the baby. She just." And stop crying. <laughs> so I, I'm sorry, I forgot your question. How did you get over the fear of talking the to fear. people? Right. Listen, I think that I did not have any other option. Okay. If I want to build this business, I had to talk to people. So I had a coach and I asked my coach many questions. I will write down what do I have to say. 
I mean, I I learned a lot during these past years, and I think I'm always learning. Okay, you never stop learning when you read a new book and you learn about new technologies in real estate. Whoever tells you that they know everything about real estate, they're lying because there is something new that you always can learn, right? So I will write down things. And then I think that, of course, right now I am 100 or a thousand percent more confident to talk to someone because I have the experience of half a decade on real estate. So it's different right now, but I know it it was hard. Okay. But if you want to build a business, those are the fears that you have to, you know, go over. How did you end up or what did you do in order to build your you know, go from that first deal that you closed on to where you are today in real estate? Well, when, uh, after I closed my first deal, I decided that it was harder. I saw that it was harder of what I thought, okay? not only to find the right deals, but to manage the deal. And I was very lucky because I had a great coach. Okay. And this coach, um, teach me how to really, really analyze deal in a way that you consider almost everything. So your investors and you are not going to only not lose money, but you're going to make money. Okay. So it was really hard for us to find deals that meet that criteria of cash on cash and return investment and analyze return and all those things, numbers that we were looking. And by the time that I started, it was 2019. So then 2020, I mean, all since 2019, I just saw cap rates going uh, compressed more and more and more and more until now. So as cap rates were more compressed, it's, ha- it's harder to find a better deal okay, in any market. It was really hard, okay? But after that first year, I decided that I will stick to my criteria all the time because I knew that if you are not, if you put garbage numbers in, you're going to take garbage out, okay? Garbage in, garbage out. Garbage in, garbage out. So I was so happy that was so um that I had this coach that teach me so well about how to underwrite and find the right deal. And I would promise myself I would stick to that and I will find only the best deals. So my company runs and my acquisition team, okay, is measured by the number of deals that they analyze, okay, the numbers of LOIs that we put, okay, because we run by the 1% rule. Okay. So we if we analyze what we have buy for the last four four years, okay. We have by one percent of the deals that we analyze in general. So that means, and and actually for the last two years, it was zero point five percent. Okay. So in order for us to buy fifteen apartment buildings, okay, just do the math of how many properties we had to underwrite, even in a napkin math or even the full underwriting. So um, we just stick to that criteria, even if we have to buy less deals, okay? But we just, and I think it's going to be easier right now. (laughs) To be honest, I think that it's going to be, we are maybe going back to that 1% rule instead of 0.5% of deals that we're getting. I think we're going to be able to go to that 1%, but, but we're still analyzing a lot of deals all the time. 
Do you think now is still a good time to get into real estate? Yes, for sure. I just closed in a deal 232 units in a secondary market. And we bought that directly from the, from the seller. An amazing price. It was a 7% cap. The cash is 10%. Okay? So our investors will receive 10% in year one. And but that was a deal that we got directly from the seller. Okay. And we closed that in, in December. So deals are there. Okay. But I mean, you can't expect that you're going to analyze 10 deals and you're going to get one deal. Okay. You will have to do that with a thousand deals in order to get the right ones. And there are less deals available right now, but if you have the right connections and the right partnerships with brokers and even sellers knows about you and how good you manage your properties in whatever state you are, I think that you have a better chance to get properties right now. And what are you focused on next, Vanessa? We're very focused in right now, we're going to focus only in class B assets and class B areas. Okay. That is our focus. We hold a lot of class C properties. We sold a few last year as well, but with everything that is happening in the economy right now, I believe that class A and class B's are the ones that are going to perform well. We are also focusing in acquiring deals that are in secondary markets. Okay. We like primary markets, but the caps has been so compressed in those markets and the rents has increased so fast for the last few years that now we are seeing negative growth in some primary markets. So I like to focus right now in the secondary markets that are growing and you're still seeing a strong rental increase, okay. rental growth. So we're focused only in multifamily. Other asset classes and I believe in diversification, but we think that multifamily is always going to be strong, okay, especially during time of recessions or whatever happened with the economy. People caught luxury, traveling, tourism, other things, okay, but you always need a place to live. Okay? So that is our focus. And and also in, in diversifying our, our portfolio and our in, investors' portfolio. So one of the things that we started to do last year is putting together properties in different places or different states, actually. Okay. So we put together properties in, in Texas, one property in Texas, one property in Kentucky. Okay. And, and we put it in one portfolio together because we wanted to offer um, our investors diversification with the same amount of investment. Okay. So everybody was scratching their head. We're like, why are you doing this? But we were very strategic and we started to do that in, in July last year because I was thinking investors are going to need diversification to decrease the amount of risk. That they have. Okay. So for me, that makes sense now. A lot of people is doing that right now and they're thinking to do it more because when you're going to put a hundred thousand as a passive investor, okay, you can also put the same a hundred thousand with the same 20% or 90% annualized return, the same turnover rate of return. But now you are diversifying your portfolio in two different markets. So if one market grows in a different rate than the other one, okay, your investment will be safer to be in two different places that are just all your eggs in, in, in one bucket. Now people start to understand and now people is like, oh, this makes more sense because people is looking in diversifying. So now it's, you have 500,000 okay, or 100,000. You just put it in one place. It's like having a fund, but in a syndication. So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. 
And Vanessa, how has real estate investing impacted your life? Well, so many ways. <laughs> well, first of all, the passive income okay, that we have as well, because I am active, but I'm also a passive investor as well. You know, we are passive in all the, the, the deals that we have. Okay? So the tax benefits that we have is, is something incredible. Okay. My husband still don't understand <laughs> about the whole thing, but he's happy okay? because we're able to to join our efforts and with all the tax benefits that I have, I can actually wipe out the, the money that he's making in his company okay? because we found joint. So that's great. My oldest kid is very involved and he's learning a lot about real estate. He made videos for me for my passive investors, because sometimes we're so used to talk about this. And so this terminology, we talk with syndicators and we talk to experienced passive investors, but my son is great doing some shorts uh, for social media where he explained in his own words what I do and people get it, okay? It's only that someone with fancy terminologies. So it's a fun run. <laughs> and what is the one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started? Since the beginning of my business career? In real estate. Oh, in real estate. Oh, well, um, I wish I could have have more technology okay, in the business since the beginning. Right now, we're very focused on driving by technology okay, and putting all the platforms together okay, to not only analyze the deal, but analyze the, the data, the markets, and manage our investors. So there is a, a lot of technology there that you can take advantage of. And so I, I really like the technology part as an integrate part of, of, of the business. Okay. And I wish, but it, there's a lot of technology, a lot of money that you have to put that. So when you're starting a business, okay, it is difficult, but I believe in, in technology. So that's one thing. <laughs> What is the one thing that sets the successful people apart in real estate investing? The successful people parking in real I think that is the desire of growing all the time because as I said, you never stop learning in this business. Awesome. Vanessa, where can our listeners find out more about you and what you're doing? Well, thank you for asking. Uh, you can go to venuspartners.com. That is our website. You can also connect with me on, on LinkedIn, okay? Vanessa Alfaro or Vanessa Fuentes as well. Okay? So mostly there we're on social media as well, Venus Capital. Okay? But the website is venuspartners.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for all of your time today, Vanessa. Thank you. It was fun talking to you. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, Check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Sale and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. 
Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifacecapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.